Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. This is episode 6 and we're covering Smokey the Bandit Part 3. Every few weeks we cover a movie in a, in a franchise and go through the movies one by one until we're done with the franchise. This time around we're wrapping up Smokey and the Bandit with uh, Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. I'm your host Uncle Milkshake and with me is special guest Jersey Jason. Hey all. Now, Smokey and the Bandit, had you seen Part 3 before uh, watching it for this episode? You know what's funny? I had seen a section of it, and I didn't know which movie it was part of until I finally saw the third one all the way through. So yeah, I had not seen any of the Smokey and the Bandit movies before watching them for this uh, Sequel Cast podcast. And if you want to check out past episodes, you can do so at www.sequelcast.com or send us send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com. So Smokey and the Bandit 3 came out three years after Smokey and the Bandit 2 in uh, August 12th, 1983. It was the release in the U.S. And... Just to start things off, you can tell this isn't going to be a quality production. It's not directed by Hal Needham, the guy that did the first two. It's lacking uh, Burt Reynolds, except for a tiny cameo at the end. The story is just bizarre, and it starts off with a weird Star Wars parody. And well, that's the weird thing, is this movie feels like it's full of parodies. And the parody is kind of that Star Wars, their parody, uh, Patton, at yes. the beginning as well. Ah, they, you know what I really hate, and I'm going to talk about it when we get to the section... I really hate the explosions, and I'll tell you why. The one thing, right off the bat, I'll say I appreciate about Smokey and the Bandit Part 3 is the first movie was more of an adult picture, and the second one, you had him with a pregnant elephant. And the third one, it kind of goes down to the gritty roots of the original, at least in tone. It does have it does have kind of the original kind of dirty country roots. It's not so much... It definitely is not meant for kids, of course, but it has more to do with revenge and and that true hatred between um, Buford uh, T. Justice and the Bandit. Um, And I think it has to do a lot more with, there's adult content, but it has more of an adult theme. So Smokey and the Bandit 3 is a film where in the beginning Sheriff Buford T. Justice is retiring and gives a speech dressed up it's basically it's like Patton. He's like yeah. a colonel in front in in uh, front of a huge flag, uh, giving a rousing speech, and it's to like thirteen people in a community hall and some policemen and his son. Now, had his son retired as well to be with his father? Or was his son still working? I couldn't quite get that. I thought maybe the son was never officially part of the force, and he just brought him to have someone in the car with to yell at. <laughs> The whole point of uh, Buford T. Justice is to verbally abuse everyone, and, and if and if you love Jackie Gleason and this character in particular, you'll um you're up to your ears and in, in pig shit, as it were, with well, this film. Well, technically, if you really think about this movie, he's more the main character. He's the one who's set upon the task of collecting Bandit, who he's never captured before. He's never caught up to Bandit. He's always been chasing Bandit. In this movie, he's given a bet, as it were, his gold star versus 250000 from the Enos father and son duo to catch Bandit. It's not to catch Bandit, though. It's to go from Miami, Florida to Austin, Texas with a plastic shark tied on top of his car, and the shark but, has to be intact on the car. But isn't it a race between Bandit and uh, Buford uh, Justice? Towards the, the end it is, but I mean, the, the Bandit doesn't even show up till maybe halfway through the movie that that's true as well and it's not even really the bandit because in this here's the kicker is that you have snowman you have cletus 
deciding he's going to be Bandit. He's going to dress like Bandit and drive a, uh, a GTO or whatever. He's going to have the car instead of him in the truck with the dog. He leaves the dog home with a female dog, so at least there. And it's like over-sexualized. It's like, uh... And of course, it's one of those droopy face dogs, what are they called? Beagle? It is that sad face. And of course, he's talking to the dog because the dog is like his co-pilot. But in this, he's not going to have a dog co-pilot. He's going to have a female co-pilot, just like Bandit had a frog, played by the great... Sally Field. And the in- interesting thing is in this, as you mentioned, Jerry Reed, who is Snowman, now gets to play the part as the bandit wearing the same clothes, even having a similar mustache and hat. And with the first movie, when they were going to make it, originally it was going to be super low budget, and Jerry Reed, the guy that played Snowman, was supposed to play the bandit in the original picture until they got Burt Reynolds. And this goes to show um, Jerry Reed might be a great country star, but he's no Burt Reynolds. Nobody's Burt Reynolds, but Burt Reynolds. Yeah. See, I don't think that's the problem. Did he have anything to do with the script? No, it, w- it wasn't written by the people that, by Hal Needham or Burt Reynolds and whoever else yeah, did I, the... I have to wonder, was Jackie Gleason told that this was a Sheriff Buford T. Justice movie? I think they would have had to to get him to do it. I mean, it's also pretty unusual for an actor that late in his career to have a recognizable name character that people know. Because no, Jackie Gleason, um, he was supposed to play the character in Caddyshack that was played by Dangerfield. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield. Really? Oh. Originally supposed to be Jackie Gleason, huh. and at the time Rodney was coming up in the comedy world, and they like this guy's hot, even though he was like fifty, six year old. Gleason was the great, but at the time his star was kind of dwindling. Uh, and in this movie. Again, like, I actually like him a lot in this movie. It's much better than him in the second movie, which is just goofy, and I felt it was really dumb and didn't focus on the character. It actually, like, split him into three different characters. I just, it didn't feel right. Whereas this Jackie Gleason feels a lot better, feels more polished as a character, has a lot better lines, because he's on screen more than Bandit. Absolutely, and the whole inclusion of Bandit is weird, because with this one, unlike the other ones... Even though the Enos brothers set up the bet, they're doing it to make uh, Buford T. Justice look like a moron. So they, much like a cartoon, they sort of try to do all these things to distract him along the way, set up these roadblocks, and the bandit is like another roadblock to try and freak Justice justice out. But they make a bet with the uh, bandit as well, though. I thought they just paid him outright. Or did they set him to get the fish? To get the shark on top. They sent Justice to get with the shark on top to make it from Miami to Texas, to Austin, Texas. But Bandit steals the fish. Yes, he does steal the fish. And maybe the bet with him is that if he steals the fish from Justice and uh, makes it to the finish line first, he'll get the money. See, that's what I thought, because whoever has the fish at the end wins. It's like kind of like past the parcel or... um, Hot potato... Again, yeah, kind of like hot potato, but you want the potato. But let's talk about the girl. God damn it, she's awful. She's fucking awful. Go. What's her? What's the actress's name? The actress's name is Colleen Camp. Okay, number one, Camp is great because this movie makes me think it's Bandit uh, as a carry-on film. But my favorite part is Dusty at the car dealer. I love when he's like... Like, he's following her from behind and stuff. He's like, yeah. And, he, and then she goes to the camera and basically tells how bad a car dealer Dusty is. And then leaves. And oddly enough, Snowman, I'm not even calling, I'm not going to call him Bandit. I'm just going to call him Cletus. Cletus shows up in the really cool car. 
and happens to pick her up while she's running away from something, which is what happened in the first two movies. Now, Colleen Kemp has an interesting history. She used to be a uh, Playboy uh, pinup girl. I don't know if she was a centerfold. Really? And she was in Francis Those... Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now as one of the Playboy bunnies in uh-huh. uh, this brief scene where they go and entertain the troops. I know, Yeah, I know the scene you're talking about. We should talk about that when we go to the sequel for Apocalypse Now. Yeah, this Apocalypse Now 2... More Spam for Brando. Ah, yes. More Spam for Brando. That's a great title. But here's my thing about her. She, number one, looks good. Yeah. Number two, she kind of reminds me of Kristen Wiig from Saturday Night Live. Have you ever seen Kristen Wiig in anything? I have. Kristen Wiig's face, like her teeth and stuff, kind of scare me. I <laughs> SNL isn't great right now, to be well, say yeah. the least. And, and when I look at this girl and I look at her, I look at her face, number one, her body, uh, but I look at her delivery and it reminds me of a Kristen Wiig character. It reminds me of that kind of like straightforward delivery, but then also kind of comedic. The lines that they give her. She delivers the lines better than she deserves to, than the lines deserve to be delivered. Yes. She tries to give it a rat-a-tat-tat sort of I don't know, 1940s comedy, <laughs> except they're not clever or witty, and she's trying to play off Cletus as Dude, a bandit. The he's bandit, like a woman of glue. It doesn't bounce back. He doesn't have the good retorts. His delivery of the lines is so slapstickish and so over the top. The the biker scene annoyed the heck out of me, because like, hey honey, you get that mustard. Oh, and, and it's like, oh... Why don't you describe that scene? It reminds me of like something from Popeye the Sailor Man. Yes. Oh, well, I don't mean to sound gay, but yes. That is so... <laughs> so Cletus, fake bandit, goes... They're hungry, so he goes to a, a, a diner to get some cheeseburgers in a bag to eat. Now, if you remember, though, remember what happened to Cletus the first time he went against bikers. He had the truck, and he was actually at a bar, and he gets beat up, and he then drives over their bikes. Smart. This time he doesn't have the big rig. This time he's dressed as bandit, and this time he seems to be kicking ass. He tosses people right out the window, one yeah. by one, and then he's like, "Oh, hold on, I need to get the onion rings. Oh, I need to get ketchup. Oh, I need to get napkins." And each time he throws more people out the window in slow motion. And the bikers, seeing how tough that he is, they let him completely go on his own. They give him, they give him a round of applause, and one of them opens the door for him. Now, when I pulled, when he pulls up to the biker bar, at first I thought the joke was it was going to actually be a gay bar, and he was going to be hit on because he's dressed like a cowboy. But that's not what they do. No, no, he calls it a skull orchard. I mean, that like when you think of a biker, there were lots of bikers out there. And I didn't think it was a gay bar, even if it was for leather daddies. I don't think that would have been a joke in 1983 like that. Man, just there's just some awful, there's some awful puns. There's just these awkward lines just hanging out there. What were some uh, lines that you enjoyed? Watch out for those eggs. I don't know, really. I really okay. No, you know what? I do have a, I do have a, um, Daddy, I'm scared. I know, I can smell it. There's um, one where uh, Buford T. Justice is talking, and he's he's saying, "No, oh, he wants to catch the bandit, the bandit so bad," and he says, "When I catch that dragon dump, I'm gonna marinate his walnuts." And they have to give him things like that are, that are southern sound and that make him sound ignorant and make him sound evil. And at the same time, I like the character. I, and I like Gleason. It just, I, I wish this was a better movie. What's with the KKK scene? Oh, K, okay, okay. Number one, that was very musically choreographed. The uh, black and I'm proud. I, I'm black and I'm proud. I love the two drivers and kind of how they represent. One guy kind of represents kind of the old black 
and the younger driver who doesn't want to swerve away, doesn't want to pull over, basically is like he's not going to mess with it. He's not going to mess with the KKK, but he's also not going to heel toe to them or play sambo or anything like that. He represents like the new '70s black, the black power, the strong black man, and the KKK are kind of made to look like clowns because they really don't do anything. There's no impact the story because those KKK members and the actual stunt you can actually see how slow the trucks are are traveling one stunt that worked is uh, at one point the uh, Buford T Justice's car goes through a milk truck and you see milk splatter everywhere <laughs> yes. keeps on driving that is that is a really good stunt um, another front, uh, one that I like I like the ones where they're going through the uh, wall of fire there's uh, there are some nice chases but the one with the eggs and stuff one of my one of the things I like about the first movie in kind of the second movie not so much the stunts don't have actual consequences in the world it's not one of those things like you always see somebody driving through a plate gra- glass window or through a, a, a wagon full of watermelons and you, know, you get the guy angry but it like actually has no consequences that's why I like the Blues Brothers because all those things cause heat and um, cause attraction uh, cause attention drawn to the Blues Brothers and the havoc that they're creating with this, there's not so much police presence as there were in the, well, definitely the second movie, but as as well as the first. There's only Buford T. Justice. He's not even doing it as a uh, as a police officer. He's kind of doing it just because both hey. him and the bandit are dicks. He's still off duty, isn't he, at this point? He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's still retired. retired. Okay. They're driving, and uh, it's getting pretty late, so instead of, you think you would switch, you think the bandit would switch drivers with the woman or something so they don't lose time, but they don't really care. A woman driver, Matt, come on. Yeah, I know. They don't exist. So they decide to spend the night at the hotel, it's called the Come On Inn, and it actually is a adult-themed motel. Just awful. And and, And the room room that the bandit and uh, the chick are in has hammocks. That would be very hard to uh, copulate in. Oh, have you ever tried? No. I just think things would fall through certain wide gaps. Well, yeah. And I would hate to get anything twisted. Uh, and they have the they have the fish from Fifty Justice. But by stopping there and taking the time out, they are able to get their, number one, Fifty uh, Justice sees their car. Then he's able to come in and get the fish back, or the shark, and and he checks each room, and there's like a millisecond, like not even, like 30 milliseconds of real of what's in each room, people doing stuff, a little bit of nudity. Uh, It doesn't, they're very cuts, very short. This was back when a PG movie could have uh, nudity, including frontal, uh, bare breast with a nipple nudity. And you see that in a few scenes, and also later when they go to a nudist camp. But it's... You're right, they have to keep the scene so short. It's almost like they wanted to make it R, but then couldn't because the other ones weren't. But they're also... It's like a really rough cut, too. It's, like, so yeah. fast. It it's very it makes me very uneasy because, like, it, the motion, number one, is shocking. But then also the things they show aren't really... I don't know. For some people, maybe they're the kick, kicks you want, but... Now, yeah. there's, a, there's a woman that takes oh, a God. shine... To Buford T. Justice. Now, oh. I, I thought, is that woman a transvestite? Is it a man as a woman? That's what I clothing? thought at first. That's what I thought at first. But I think she's basically technically an Amazon. She is a woman above six foot four. Oh. I don't know the actress. She, I'm sorry, I did none of my research. But she is, I think she's hot. 
you don't get a good look at her. It is an excuse for more sort of slapstick comedy. But again, they also use sexuality in this scene a lot. There's a scene with Paul Williams as Little Enos and uh, Daddy Enos and uh, Little and Big Enos in drag. drag. Why are they, in this movie they show up so much because each time they're trying to put down these roadblocks or they're trying to, I guess, uh, witness what's going on instead of just being at the finish line like they've been in the other movies. They're constantly showing up in some outfit or another, and in this one they're in drag. and And I and I don't know if Paul Williams. I I don't think he's gay, but in this, oh god, just. The way they use uh, Little Enos in this is, like, they get dragged into a room by, like, ten burly men all in uh, Speedos or cocksucks. And just, at the end, Paul Williams finally gets out, uh, Little Enos gets out, and he's, like, in his head, he's like, I didn't, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for you to get the big one. And I'm like, oh, jeez. And, and Little Enos is trying to remember the guy's number. That's like, what the? You guys were, like, in the Texas Senate. What? Uh, the one thing that is kind of funny, I like Buford's line when a midget and a fairly pretty blonde, the midget is in the, uh, he's in a, uh, a Tarzan outfit, uh, and, he, and, he, and he has the greatest line, I tell you, it's Saudam and Gamora. And I was thinking to myself, weren't those two Godzilla villains? I say the funny, the funniest thing is when he's he's accidentally handcuffed that woman in the steam room because she was wearing a cowboy hat. So obviously it was bandit. But the thing is, they get caught. They're trying to get out, and they can't get past this orgy in the hallway. So they have to go out a window instead of going back the way they came. They have to go yeah. out through. They go out through a window in the bathroom. It's not a big opening, but Buford T. Just the. Buford's son manages to fit through okay. They fit the shark yeah. through okay. And then... But no, it wasn't, it wasn't the size that mattered. Oh, God. The woman was handcuffed to Buford T. Justice. Therefore, she couldn't go out. She could have gone out legs first, but she goes out head first. Therefore, she couldn't go all the way out without Buford T. Justice coming with her because of his arm. Because of that, they get stuck when the window shuts. And they're and flopping then, around up and down... And she's moaning. Yes. I gotta wonder if that was one of the perks and how many times they shot that scene for Jackie. At some point, they, he gets the girl free from his arm, but she tracks him down and, and rides on the roof. What the fuck? She rides on the roof for quite a long time. They must have, that couldn't have been the same actress. It had to have been a stuntman or a stuntwoman. No, no, no. I think uh, possibly the actress herself already was a stuntwoman. I mean, look at her size. That could be, yeah. Buford T. Justice is close to actually winning, or getting there. Um, he's still following Bandit. He, I'm trying to remember if he has the shark by this point, again, or if it's been traded already. He doesn't, um... Does he have the shark with the explosions? No, somehow, there's a there's a point before this ending sequence where the Bandit gets really close to Buford, and steals the shark, ties it on his car while they're driving. Now the Bandit is ahead, and Buford's trying to speed up catch up to the bandit and get the shark back and, and for whatever reason the enos 
they they are on a uh, a cherry picker camouflaged. And the Enuses have a relative that's a small child that knows how to set off explosions via remote control. And they're all in military gear, so the little kid is called Private Enus, whoever's kid he is, but he's the grand, uh, big Enus is his grandpa, because he says, alright, grandpa, but they blow up the field. They try to blow up Buford T. Justice. So here's my question. Are they purposely trying to kill Buford T. Justice so that he doesn't win? Are they willing to commit murder to save $250,000? I mean, there's a scene at the end of the first one where the Trans Am is being chased by a helicopter. And the no, 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 this has nothing to do with it. What is the music that they're using, and what is happening? There's... Explosion, explosion, explosion. It's a, it's a complete copy of Caddyshack. Oh! It's the end scene of Caddyshack. Right, where they're trying to blow up the gopher with all the timed explosions. They take wow. everything... They, they're taking so much from other movies. And, and one of the things I was actually thinking while watching the movie is I missed the good country music of the first two films. This one, it sounds like they took uh, they took movies from Eddie Murphy vehicles and just added a soulful guitar or um, banjo. Yeah, none of the music in this one is, is done by Jerry Reed, who did Eastbound and Down and um, some of the original music in the first film. And there's one that's okay... It's a piece of music that's about the legend of Buford T. Justice and how stupid he is. Not especially inspired, but... No. And a lot of the songs, even though they're not good, it seems like they were written for this film, or at least for these characters, because they reference the bandit or Buford T. Justice in the lyrics themselves. But again, very generic, like the music from the second one. Yeah, it doesn't have it doesn't have the inspired feel of the first movie. But then again, none of the movie really does. It seems like they were just going on a formula. And they uh, tried to get as many people back from the first two, but they couldn't get Burt Reynolds. There's what was few, he doing at the time, there's a f- besides Lonnie Anderson? Towards the end of the movie, there's a few scenes I kind of like, but at that time, Smokey the Bandit 3 came out in 83, and he was Burt Reynolds was doing the Cannonball Run movies, and he was also in uh, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Was he a big role in that one? Yeah, he's oh. like the second, he's the second biggest star. Him and Dolly Parton, and Dom DeLuise is in that as well. He's doing he, at this time he was doing all these movies with Dom DeLuise well, they were I guess friends in real life too so oh yeah hey what's Jerry Reed doing these days he's dead oh god I'm sorry that's okay no he died I think like in oh god I really I, like, I feel so bad now oh god oh man he died in 2008 so he lived to be 71 years old, and he actually started recording music when he was 15, and he played backup guitar on a few Elvis tracks. I mean, he did a lot of stuff over his career. But in this movie, I think he just misses the point by trying to imitate Burt Reynolds. You think he tries to imitate Burt Reynolds? I didn't think that at all. No, no, no. I'm not saying he's tr- I'm, I'm sorry. I should, I should take that back. He's trying to... It's that he's kind of trying to suckle at the Burt Reynolds teat. Yes. Uh, of fame. He he tries to look like the bandit. He tries to... Uh, they try to use the bandit name for this movie, for this god-awful movie. And I, I think I would have been all right with this if it had just been Snowman in a big rig versus Beaver D. Justice. 
there was one thing in this film that was... I thought it was actually a good line from Jerry Reed as the bandit. And bandit is ahead of Buford T. Justice. And the bandit has the shark. And he starts to slow down even though he's getting near the finish line. Mm-hmm. And the girl in the core with, with him is asking, while you're slowing down, do you want Buford T. Justice to catch up and win? And he responds with, what is the coyote without the roadrunner? What is the fox without the hound? What is Smokey without the bandit? <sighs> Awful. You think that's a good line? I, it was one of the two lines I remembered. That in the dragon. <laughs> that in the dragon. <laughs> that in the dragon dub line. So. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have much time. Uh, let's talk about. Let's talk about the cameo. Let's talk yeah, about the, the very, end. So oh. the very end. Who wins? <sighs> Does anybody? Buford T. Justice wins the money. He steals the shark from Bandit's car. Oh, um, okay. Yes. So technically. Truthfully, yeah, he he actually wins by having the shark in his hands at the finish line. But does he really win? See, this whole time he's never really seen... He knows Bandit is out there, but hasn't got a good look of him face to face. But he's so obsessed with the Bandit that when he looks at the Bandit, he sees the face of the real Bandit, Burt Reynolds. Who appears for like a minute. For a cameo. And he basically says, before you arrest me, think think about all the good times we've had and all the friends we've made. We should... We should continue doing this. I mean, we we have sign of a civil thing, or you can go back to being retired. And he thinks about his life, kind of passing by if he were to give up the chase. Because if he gives up the chase, it's like a, a, a rolling stone gathers no moss. If you sit down and rest, if you retire, you kind of stop doing everything. You kind of stop living. And the one thing that the bandit is for beauty justice is an outlet. It makes him feel young. It's the the thrill of the chase. If he's hallucinating Burt Reynolds as the bandit, what is ha- what is Jerry Reed doing during that time that basically Buford T. Justice is there just sitting, looking at him, responding to something that's not happening? I think Jerry Reed is saying those lines that Burt Reynolds is saying, but in Buford T. Justice's mind, he is seeing the Burt Reynolds saying him, the real bandit instead of the mm-hmm. fake bandit. But that's never explained. I mean, it might have been a funny touch to have a floating Burt Reynolds head next to the bandit, egging him on. I don't know. It's the spirit of the spirit of the bandit. Yeah. Oh. And I didn't mention this earlier. I know you got to go, but uh, there was an awful store. There was an awful Star Wars reference in the beginning of the movie. Yes. It has a star field in the background and the text. There once was a man, a legendary police officer called Sheriff Buford T. Justice. He did not live in a galaxy far, far away. Wait, yours had that? Mine didn't. Mine had a little, uh, like a black and white film of the legend of Buford T. Justice. Mine had that too, but it was after the Starfield in the beginning. It didn't have a Starfield on mine. Ooh. Maybe they changed it for one of the home video releases. It's, it's very out of... So in conclusion, anything else you want to say about this movie? or uh, Whatever you do, don't see it. Yeah, I'd recommend uh, Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I wanted to shut it off seven times while I watched it. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. I watched it in 30. I sat down and watched it, and I was like, whoa, this is a pretty bad movie. Good thing I'm near the end. Only 20 minutes had passed by. (laughs) That's a good note to end on. Yeah, so what are we going to do next time? Tease the audience. Want to do Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2? Have you ever seen Caddyshack 2? Um, I've seen the first 20 minutes of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Well, so next time we're going to, that's how organized we are on this show. Next time we're going to be doing, uh, the original Caddyshack. 
So be sure to download that episode in two weeks. Go to the website, SequelCast.com. Send us an email if you hate the show or love it at SequelCast at gmail.com. This is Uncle Milkshake. And Jersey Jason. Saying good night and... And don't watch this movie. And don't, ever. don't take a dragon dump. Jeez, that's not... <laughs> that's an awful end line. <laughs> okay, do you want to redo the end line? No, uh, but go ahead. Okay. Saying good night. And don't watch this movie ever, unless you want to kill a small child. <laughs> no, every time, every time you watch this movie, another hair on Burt Reynolds' head goes gray. Oh, oh no! Think of something good. Okay. I have to like turn to a show for my mother, right. and I don't want the TV on in the okay. background. Alright, and um, so good night and. Re-record that. Go again. Take two. Jesus. So, good night. (laughs) (laughs) And don't watch this movie ever. No, no, you you say good night and don't watch this movie ever. They don't do the tag on the end. You say it. (coughs) So, good night and... And don't watch this movie ever. Except if you have... Ah! No, God, okay, this... Part of this is going in a blooper reel at the end, but <laughs> That's I, okay. I'm done. I'm done. So good night, and don't watch this movie ever. Ever. This is awful. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna lose, we're gonna lose listeners.